Hey, I'm Natasha Crane. And I'm Elisa Childers. Welcome to Unshaken Faith, where we equip you to live your Christian faith boldly in a chaotic culture. Well, hey, everyone. I'm flying solo today because Natasha is under the weather, so pray for her. But today we're going to be talking about how the He Gets Us campaign still does not get Jesus. So last year, Natasha and I recorded an episode about the He Gets Us campaign in which we responded to the $100 million advertising campaign that featured billboards, books, and ads that have been viewed hundreds of millions of times. On their website, they clearly state their agenda, which is to, quote, move beyond the mess of our current cultural moment to a place where all of us are invited to rediscover the love story of Jesus, Christians, non-Christians, and everybody in between all of us, end quote. They took out ads last year during the Super Bowl and this year, and today we're going to offer some insights, hopefully, that will help you as discerning Christians think through this very well-funded and highly visible ad campaign. There's a lot I want to talk to you about today. So first, I want to give you some announcements about our Unshaken Conference. We're coming to Detroit, Michigan on March 9th. We're going to be at Metro City Church. You can go to unshakenconference.com today to buy tickets for that. We would love to see all of our Detroit friends come out uh, for that on March 9th. Then we're going to be in the Pittsburgh area on May 18th, and that's at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Again, go to unshakenconference.com. You can purchase your tickets right now. We'd love to see you come out if you're anywhere near Pittsburgh. And we are going to be in Buffalo, New York in the fall on September 21st and Austin, Texas on November 16th. Now, those two dates are not available for purchase yet because we haven't been able to announce the churches. We're going to get to that very, very soon. So keep checking on shakenconference.com to find out when those will be available. And of course, keep listening to this podcast. And if you're not subscribed, subscribe, because when you subscribe, you'll be notified every time we release a new episode. And if you like the content of what we offer you, please share this with your friends. It really, really helps us out. All right. So let's get into He Gets Us. So last week during the Super Bowl, the first He Gets Us ad that we saw was called Foot Washing, and it depicted several still photos of various types of people washing the feet of others. Uh, on YouTube, the description reads this, quote, The night before he died, Jesus got his friends and followers together and washed their feet as a symbolic example of how they should humble themselves while dignifying and valuing others. How would our contentious world change if people, especially those with opposing ideologies, took off their shoes and washed each other's feet? So I just want to make a couple comments about some misleading language right there in that description. First of all, it was Jesus' disciples that he washed the, the feet of his disciple. It wasn't just like this kind of party where there's some friends and some followers. It was his followers. It was his disciples. And I just want to read from the section of scripture where this scene happens. So I'm going to read to you from John 13, starting in verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. 
Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but after afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean. But not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now, it's really important to note that it wasn't until after this happened that Judas went out to betray Jesus. So what that means is that Jesus washed the feet of his betrayer and at the same time said, he's not clean. I just want you to put that in your minds as we go through some of the discussion regarding this ad. But honestly, this episode is, is about more than just one ad. We want to look at the He Gets Us campaign as a whole. Who is it marketed to? Who's behind it? What's the messaging? And is it faithful to the Bible? All right, so let's get into this first ad from last week. The ad begins with a son washing the feet of what appears to be his father during a family dinner. Then it moves into several scenes of people from different walks of life washing one another's feet. And then it features a shot of a woman washing the feet of a younger woman outside of a quote-unquote family planning clinic with pro-life protesters looking on. Now, we're going to come back to that one in a moment because I have some things to say about that, but let's move on for now. The next few shots depict people who appear to be coming from different political opinions, socioeconomic categories, ethnic backgrounds, and different relational dynamics. And the climax of the ad, and the reason I say this is a climax, because the music swells to a climax here and then goes completely silent on this final still. And then we have the words that come in after this. So the climax is a scene featuring a priest washing the feet of a very obviously effeminate gay man. Well, just before this still is shown of, like I said, the music swells, it goes silent, the photo lingers for a few seconds, and then these words come on the screen. Jesus didn't teach hate. Jesus washed feet. Now, let's unpack this a little bit because the statement, Jesus didn't teach hate, Jesus washed feet, seems to be entirely disconnected from its biblical context. But I also want to point out something that Joel Berry wrote on Twitter, and I think this is a very astute observation. He said this, There's a reason the He Gets Us commercial didn't show a liberal washing the feet of someone in a MAGA hat or a BLM protester washing an officer's feet. That, wouldn't been actu- that would have been actually subversive because they were strictly following the oppressed versus oppressor intersectionality guidelines. And I think that's a really important thing to point out, because today's episode is not just about one ad. It's really about the He Gets Us campaign as a whole, which we've been saying from the beginning is through the lens of a social justice narrative. 
Okay, so before we dig down into the details, I want to read you something that Natasha posted on Facebook this week because it's very important. Many people have referred to the He Gets Us campaign as a type of pre-evangelism. They will readily admit, you know, this isn't like in-your-face gospel, but we're just trying to get people curious about Jesus. So here's what Natasha wrote. She said, so what happens when people Google he gets us? Well, it depends to some degree on the person, algorithm, and ad shift. But here's what was at the top when I Googled it. And then she posted the image. And on the image is a link that says Jesus was inclusive. So I'll continue with Natasha's commentary here. She said, so let's say a progressive secularist, which is the target audience, and uh, she explained that in detail in a long post and podcast this week. So what if a progressive secularist clicks on Jesus was inclusive? Inclusive has a very specific meaning from their perspective, and it's usually about accepting all identities, behaviors as equally valid. Will he gets us use their language to entice the click and then share God's truth? Let's see what you think. So they landed a page featuring an article, Jesus didn't feel welcomed by religious people either. And then Natasha continues, wow. So if someone with a progressive lens who likely disdains Christian moral beliefs and the people who share them clicks that inclusive link, the first thing they're shown is a confirmation of their belief that religious people are bad and unwelcoming and Jesus experienced the same problems with them. It's hard to fathom how a Christian committed to the historic faith would choose to use this article as the landing page for people clicking that initial link. But let's see what the actual article says, just in case there's a shocking turn of events. See the third image below, which says this. In Jesus' case, he openly questioned the clergy and their religious practices. They bristled with anger when he challenged their doctrines, beliefs, and long-held traditions. We can feel alienated from a church or religion for similar reasons today. We may disagree with something being preached from the pulpit or question a religion's moral stance on an issue. And then Natasha continues, I have almost no words for how problematic this is. Please don't tell me this is pre-evangelism. Of course, they know how their target audience, which is progressives, will read this. The article doesn't give context for who the Pharisees were and the specific issues Jesus had with them. By the way, we have podcasts on that in our Unshaken Faith archive. Go back and listen to those if you're curious about the Pharisees and what their theology was like. Continuing with Natasha here, all someone takes away is that Jesus challenges religious doctrines, beliefs, and traditions. Seriously, how do you think a progressive will read that? Here's how. All the moral positions they disagree with are just as problematic as they thought, and Jesus challenged the same kinds of things in his day. So, how the campaign could lead people into thinking this when most people never get beyond the landing page is unconscionable. So this is obviously the entire campaign coming from a social justice narrative. It's trying to reinterpret Jesus through that narrative to make him attractive to progressives. And I'm not saying, of course, that everybody behind He Gets Us is a terrible person or is a progressive Christian or is not a Christian at all. I am sure that there are very well-meaning Christians who are behind this, but there are also non-Christians who are behind this as well. If you go to the He Gets Us website, it tells you exactly who they are. It says He Gets Us is a diverse group of Jesus followers with a wide variety of faith journeys and lived experiences. Our work represents the input from Christians who believe that Jesus is the Son of God 
as well as many others who, though not Christians, share a deep admiration for the man that Jesus was. And we are deeply inspired and curious to explore his story. So they tell you who they are. There are people who claim to be Christians who believe Jesus was the Son of God, but they're also receiving quite a bit of input from people who are not Christians who just admire Jesus as a human. That's a problem. If your goal is to share the gospel— your content, if you're if you're receiving input from non-Christians and what they want to see from Jesus, you're not going to get to the gospel because the gospel, the cross offends. All right. So a few days before the Super Bowl, Natasha wrote an update to her viral article from last year and took a critical look at the He Gets Us campaign. And I really want to urge everyone to read both articles. But in her update, she asked some very important questions to help us discern. And I thought maybe we could just talk through the first two questions today now that the ads uh, for this year's Super Bowl have aired. And the first is this. Does the He Gets Us campaign get skeptics interested in Jesus. So in her article, Natasha quoted Ed Stetzer, who is the dean at Talbot School of Theology there at Biola, and who is supportive of the He Gets Us campaign. And in an interview with Sean McDowell, Stetzer repeated that the point of the campaign is to reach skeptics. Now, they probably are going to reach some skeptics, um, I'm sure. And, And by the way, the Holy Spirit can use anything. I am certainly not saying that there isn't anyone out there that might come to faith because they saw He Gets Us ad. God can use anything. He used a talking donkey. Okay. Um, so yeah, they're probably, they, they probably will get some skeptics interested, but I think it's going to backfire on a couple of points. Number one, they're going to be interested in the wrong Jesus, which is going to lead us to our next point. And if they don't dig really deep into the Bible reading plans that are, that the He Gets Us campaign lead them to, like to plan four, five, and six, they're not going to hear the gospel at all. And Natasha actually lays that out in greater detail in her second article. So check that out for sure. But the other way I think it's going to backfire is because the people they're trying to appeal to are going to feel if they do discover the gospel, if they do get to that plan four, five, and six, they're going to feel utterly betrayed because the Jesus they were sucked into is different than the real Jesus. And I want to just give you an example of this. So John Pavlovitz is a progressive Christian author, very progressive. He and I would radically disagree about who Jesus is and what the gospel is. But I do agree with him on a tweet he put out about the He Gets Us campaign that it's a bit of a bait and switch. It's like they bait you with this social justice Jesus, but then when you discover the real Jesus, you're going to be really disappointed. So here's what John Pavlovitz tweeted. He said, He Gets Us is a campaign created by the very hateful evangelicals who least get Jesus and who are doing everything antithetically to his teachings. Like, you know, of course, I don't agree with him that we are hateful. We are trying to be faithful to his teachings. But he said, a bait and switch of the worst kind. I agree with him there. This is a bait and switch. You're going to think you're coming to the totally affirming Jesus, and then you're going to find out that actually Jesus excluded quite a bit of people. In fact, Jesus is all inclusive in his invitation, but he's exclusive when it comes to who accepts that invitation. So the second question Natasha asks in her article is, does the He Gets Us campaign get skeptics interested in the right Jesus? So as I pointed out before, the ad gives us a Jesus that washed everyone's feet, but the implication is that he didn't call anyone to repentance. So uh, this is where I want to talk about the still shot of the woman washing the feet of the younger woman with pro-life protesters looking on, frankly, like useless Pharisees. And the implication is that this is a type of Planned Parenthood where abortions are performed, and perhaps the young woman is there to have an abortion, and then you have these mean kind of protesters off to the side who don't get it, and then there's a woman washing her feet. Now, it leaves a lot open to interpretation. 
But I think the general implication is that pro-life activists are just mean people who don't care about women. And this really, that of all of the still photos, that one got my blood boiling more than anything because I know people who work in that in that uh, ministry and they're the most loving people. They are there uh, giving, offering free sonograms. They are there to pray with women. They are, they are not there as hateful people who are condemning women who come in. In fact, they love women way more than the nurses and doctors inside of those Planned Parenthoods who are leading those women to take the life of their children, which has lasting effects on the women too. Pro-life activists have amazing ministries of bringing redemption to women who have had abortions, adoption, raising funds for diapers and all sorts of things. I've, I've got podcast episodes on that. Natasha has podcast episodes on that. All right. So just a couple of takeaways here. Number one, he gets us adopts a secular viewpoint of identity and social justice. It's all about intersectionality, oppressed versus oppressor. And they're trying to squeeze Jesus into that narrative. And he's not going to fit there. In fact, I'm going to quote Rosaria Butterfield here. In an article she wrote a while back responding to the Jen Hatmaker controversy, she said this, There is no goodwill between the cross and the unconverted person. The cross is ruthless. To take up your cross means that you are going to die. And by appealing to identity politics rather than the sin nature and the need for humans to fall on the feet of Jesus, trusting in Jesus for our salvation, repenting, turning from our sinful ways, letting go of our identity politics, denying ourselves and what we think our core identity is. By the way, according to culture, your core identity is whatever you feel you are. That is not biblical. And so that's where the identity politics comes in. That's where the intersections of oppressed versus oppressor come in. There is no goodwill between the cross and the unconverted person. The gospel of Jesus Christ requires you to die to yourself. It's not a Jesus who just goes around accepting everyone. It's a Jesus that calls people to repentance. And my second takeaway is that he gets us, amplifies what's called third way Christianity, which is misleading many, many Christians. We've talked about Big Eva you have these big Christian platforms, these big machines that are well-funded. And, and it's like this push to get Christians just to be nice and not take positions on anything. And that's not what Jesus did. In Luke 12, 48, Jesus said, do you think I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. Do you feel that, Christian? I feel that. It goes on, they will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. That's what Jesus said he came to do. Jesus is exclusive. Yes, he washed feet. He saved the life of a prostitute. He talked with a sinful woman at the well. He showed love and forgiveness. And I'm so thankful for that because I relate with those sinners that he was kind to. But he is the same Jesus who said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. The He Gets Us campaign radically ignores 
the more exclusive side of Jesus' teaching. I want to read to you the rest of that Luke 12 passage. So he also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be a scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Guys, it's important as Christians in 2024 right now to know what time it is. Do you know what time it is? It's not time to be vague. It's time to preach the gospel with truth, love, and clarity. He gets us muddies the waters. Christians, let's know what time it is. Check your watch. It's time to be clear about the gospel. Let's know what time it is. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Natasha Crane podcast and the Elisa Childers podcast for more long-form episodes where we go deeper into these topics. But for now, let's remember that as Christians, we have a firm foundation to stand on that, as Psalm 62 puts it, is our rock and salvation, our fortress where we will never be shaken. Oh, 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 oh,